You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The Nadella Sons. Microsoft, that blue screen of irrelevance, is bigger than Amazon, Apple, and everybody else for now. How'd that happen? By Austin Carr and Dina Bass. The congratulatory texts and tweets started the last week of November. Microsoft had overtaken Apple to become the world's most valuable company, a stunning climax in a year that also saw it pass Amazon and Google's alphabet. Longtime employees who'd grown accustomed to thinking of Microsoft as far removed from its glory years when it was run by Bill Gates and feared as the evil empire, were flooded with messages from friends and family. Yet not a word of this achievement was uttered when Chief Executive Officer Satya Nadella gathered his senior staff for their weekly meeting that Friday. In an interview at Microsoft headquarters in Redmond, Washington, Nadella appears irritated by questions about the company's ascendancy. I would be disgusted if somebody ever celebrated our market cap, he tells Bloomberg Businessweek. He insists the valuation, which passed $1 trillion on April 25th and is up more than 230% since his watch began in February 2014, is not meaningful. And any rejoicing about such an arbitrary milestone would mark the beginning of the end. The no-nonsense rhetoric is part of his shtick. Nadella, a 51-year-old engineer with multiple degrees who grew up in Hyderabad, India, is known for his librarian's temperament. At Microsoft, we have this very bad habit of not being able to push ourselves because we just feel very self-satisfied with the success we've had, he says. We're learning how not to look at the past. Even if it doesn't last, Nadella's turnaround over the five years since he replaced Steve Ballmer as CEO has been nothing short of historic. The company had been universally viewed as spiraling toward obsolescence, having missed almost every significant computing trend of the 2000s, mobile phones, search engines, social networking, while letting its main source of revenue, Windows, the operating system that comes preloaded on PCs, stagnate. Microsoft marketers like to attribute its reemergence as a tech power to a sort of cultural rehab involving what Nadella calls corporate empathy and a shift of his team from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. The reality of the company's turnaround was more painful, according to interviews with more than four dozen current and former executives, board members, customers, and competitors. Under Nadella, it cut funding to Windows and built an enormous cloud computing business with about $34 billion in revenue over the past year, putting it ahead of Google and making progress in key areas against the dominant player, Amazon Web Services. I don't know of any other software company in the history of technology that fell onto hard times and has recovered so well, says Reed Hastings, CEO of Netflix. 
Microsoft's Office collection of productivity software, formerly a one-off purchase that included the famously inept virtual assistant Clippy, is now a cloud-based service boasting more than 214 million subscribers who pay around $99 a year. It has more subscribers than Spotify and Amazon Prime combined. At the same time, Azure, Microsoft's cloud platform, has won marquee customers such as ExxonMobil, Starbucks, and Walmart. There's a bit of Silicon Valley cred, too, thanks to its acquisitions of LinkedIn, the professional social network, and GitHub, the software code repository. Nadella's peers say Microsoft's resurgence is as terrifying as it is impressive. When asked what threat a renewed Microsoft poses to the tech universe, the CEO of a rival software company who requested anonymity to speak more candidly begins humming Darth Vader's Imperial March theme from Star Wars. Put another way, the Empire has struck back. It's telling that Microsoft continues to instill such feelings in competitors, even with mild-mannered Nadella at the helm. If Balmer will be forever associated with his sweat-soaked dress shirts and monkey boy antics, he'd barrel on stage at product launches, bellowing and flailing his limbs, then Nadella's persona is typified by his preferred Huga hoodies. When the board appointed him as Balmer's replacement, Microsoft looked trapped by the decline of Windows, which achieved a market share of more than 90% at its peak. Windows was still extremely profitable. Microsoft generated a licensing fee on almost every desktop and laptop sold, but people were increasingly replacing PCs with iPhones and Android devices. Even today, Windows is a $20 billion a year business. In the past, the importance of PCs had caused executives to compete bitterly for control of various Windows-related fiefdoms and every promising offshoot to get sucked into the Windows vortex. New products were relentlessly branded Windows, such as the Windows Phone. Even Microsoft's fledgling cloud service was called Windows Azure. Nadella, who spent more than half his life at Microsoft, mostly on non-Windows products, stayed out of the Game of Thrones-like war to succeed Balmer. He'd been recruited from Sun Microsystems in 1992, in part because his team's manager wanted an employee who gets shit done and doesn't piss off other people says Jeff Tepper, vice president in charge of office, who hired him. These qualities apparently were recherche in Redmond. Nadella started by selling PCs to corporate buyers. He later oversaw engineering for Bing, the company's search engine, before taking over Azure. His self-effacing, if not bland, style is what Microsoft, a bureaucracy crippled by egos and infighting, needed. Colleagues swear they've never seen him get upset raise his voice, or fire off an angry email. Shelley Branston, a Microsoft corporate vice president, suggests that what makes Nadella unique is that he has no swagger. One executive even claims, not quite believably, that he's never heard Nadella say no. As Balmer neared retirement, he was so taken with Nadella that he asked Hastings, then a Microsoft board member, to mentor the younger executive. Hastings recalls Nadella coming to Netflix's headquarters to observe executive reviews. Balmer did not have me do that with anybody else, he says. He definitely saw Satya as the full package of technical acumen and personality strength, even though Satya manages in a different way than Steve. Nadella's game plan was to reorient Microsoft around Azure, a nascent business he'd been working on since 2011, which would turn the company from a provider of boxed software, which many users simply pirated, 
to a global computing engine that would rent out its processing power and online storage to businesses. Of the 100 or so CEO candidates considered, Nadella most impressed then Chairman Gates and the board with his strategic and engineering chops. Microsoft was already at least four years behind Amazon's cloud business, which had annual revenue of $4.6 billion. Nadella understood that any serious shift in emphasis would mean taking a cricket bat to the Windows division. A lifelong fan, he keeps a bat autographed by the great batsman Sachin Tendulkar near his desk. But getting resources from other parts of Microsoft was like pulling fingernails, recalls Scott Guthrie, an executive vice president who took over the cloud unit when Nadella became CEO. He recounts a meeting where the cloud team agreed with Nadella's strategy, but then realized that as much as 90% of the unit's headcount was focused on big Windows-centric businesses. Classic innovator's dilemma, Guthrie says. I had leaders under me who managed multi-billion dollar P&Ls, and it's tough when you say you're now going to manage a $4 million P&L. According to a former executive, Nadella, frustrated with hand-wringing about the new cloud versus Windows hierarchy, scolded a group of top executives early in his tenure. At his Microsoft, there would be only fixers, no complainers. If people didn't buy into his vision, he'd tell them, don't stay, time to move on. During this time, he showed an ability to make aggressive changes with little drama, a departure from Gates's infamous temper tantrums of the 1990s and Balmer's chest-beating of the late 2000s. Nadella wrote off $7.6 billion from Balmer's purchase of Nokia, cutting 7,800 jobs in 2015, a clear sign he was giving up on an ambition to compete directly with Google and Apple in mobile. His first product announcement was an Office version optimized for Apple's iOS mobile operating system. Microsoft had resisted such a move for years, out of concern that its productivity software running on iPhones and iPads would speed the decline of Windows PC sales. One longtime executive who recently departed describes Nadella's approach as subtle shade. He never explicitly 86 to division or cut down a product leader, but his underlying intentions were always clear. His first email to employees ran more than 1,000 words and made no mention of Windows. He later renamed the cloud offering Microsoft Azure. Satya doesn't talk shit. He just started omitting Windows from sentences, this executive says. Suddenly, everything from Satya was cloud, cloud, cloud. He also started promoting new buzzwords when he talked about older products, for instance, using the phrase artificial intelligence when he discussed Microsoft Office. This person adds, even though there was nothing AI about Office, beside what, spell check? The cloud push began gaining momentum, which helped rejuvenate Microsoft's image and improve employee morale. Guthrie remembers being elated one month when cloud revenue increased by $40,000 on a profit and loss statement. We were like, oh yeah, he says, chuckling. And then, oh boy, we have billions to go. The cloud is conceptually thought of as a digital exchange of bits, but it's actually all about physical infrastructure. Airplane hangar-sized data centers and transoceanic cables yo-yoing petabytes of information. Amazon, Microsoft, and the other big cloud players enable other companies to outsource vast computing requirements to these costly infrastructures, which means Netflix can seamlessly stream movies to your phone or Citibank can process billions of online transactions without having to do major construction projects. By 2016, Microsoft's board was growing worried the company wasn't moving fast enough to catch Amazon, which was generating $12 billion in cloud services revenue. 
The concern was that the corporate software business could collapse faster than new cloud offerings could replenish the company's coffers. To refocus entirely on the cloud, Nadella initiated a series of major reorganizations, culminating in last year's utterly shocking, to longtime Microsoft employees anyway, termination of the entire Windows division, which he split into Azure and Office teams. By then, the cloud war with Amazon had escalated. For every cloud infrastructure improvement and database product Amazon introduced, Nadella would try to match those advances, pumping billions of dollars into buying data centers and startups. It wasn't only cloud engineering that had fallen behind Amazon, but also sales. Nadella assigned Judson Althoff, an engineer turned sales exec, the task of dismantling the company's approach of selling licenses based on the number of employees. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.